and welcome to River Writers, a monthly conversation about the craft of writing. I'm your host, Dale Olson, with the Writers Guild of Astoria. Our guests today are James Tweedy and David Compiche, creative friends living their best life on the Long Beach Peninsula. James, a retired pastor, has published Long Beach short stories, possibly untrue tales from the Pacific Northwest, along with three poetry collections and several novels. He is married with three grown daughters and four grandchildren. His poetry has won numerous awards in prestigious international poetry competitions. David's interest in clay and food and the written word have propelled him into the arts like a camel pursuing water. He has written for the Historian and the Chinook Observer for nearly 20 years, still throws pottery and loves to cook. He has published and is just finishing up his first novel. He and his wife, Lori Anderson, ran the historic Shelburne Inn for 40 years. In 2020, James and David collaborated to create a book called Sidekicks, Visions of the Pacific Northwest, a collection of their poetry and photography. Welcome both of you. Hello, Dale. Hello. Good to be here. It's so good to see you both here. You've, you've uh, traveled across state lines just to, just to talk to the writers of the Lower Columbia today. So we're very honored that you both made that long journey of, what, like 40, 45 minutes? Well, it was the four-mile <laughs> swim across the river that was particularly difficult. And a violation of the Hatch Act or something like that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so uh, what, what initially, what initially uh, brought you two together as friends? How did your friendship begin? Probably words <laughs> yeah. and pursuit of art and commonality. Yeah, how, how did your paths uh, cross, though, at, at, uh, in those early days? Well, when I, uh, when I was pastoring at Ocean Beach Presbyterian Church, we would go Christmas caroling in the community and visit various places. And one of the places that we worked out was to visit the Shelburne. And so we brought members of a church and we sang Christmas carols while, during one of their early dinner sessions. And uh, David seemed to be welcoming and we struck up a conversation and then the rest is history. You want to give some of that? Well, just after our sex communicated, I felt, <laughs> you know, you really reached out. and, and I think David is t talking tongue-in-cheek there. Um, how, how did the idea of sidekicks come about? Was it one of you that had the, the brilliant idea, or? I guess I did. I It seems... Our interests were pretty mutual, but I think Sidekicks was a nice uh, title for the book. It yeah. reflects our friendship and our collaboration. We've we've shared. Well, why we David been hosting me for breakfast at his house regularly for the last how many years? And we share our short stories mm -hmm. and our poetry. Poetry. And sometimes we read other people too. You know, it's yeah. A, and Jim does a lot of a lot with music, and it's he's very very talented. Yeah, you compose music, don't you? I do. Yes. So, um, do you find that the other um, is a help in making your poetry or your writing better? Do you get good feedback from each other that actually helps your work to be stronger? You know, it's interesting. Uh, Jim's more of a formal poet. And 
in a way, I don't want to say I'm contemporary, that's not true, but I'm free verse. But even in free verse, there's a natural rhythm that has to happen. And uh, uh, we just play off each other quite well. How often do you two get together? Mostly once a week or every couple of weeks. Does, yeah. it, does it always involve giving Jim a meal? He won't come if I don't <laughs> feed him. <laughs> starting to see that that's like an important part. <laughs> David has this compulsion and uh, he just loves, he loves being a host and he loves fixing food and I love eating it. So it works out win-win. <laughs> well, that's very nice. You, you're, you're, I think you're getting the, uh, the long end of the stick on this, Jim. Not really, because he's been a great help to me, and particularly those traits of publishing yeah. and uh, editing, and um, they're very rich discussions. Yeah. Well, you each have your own poet's voice, and each distinct from the other, yet the collection taken as a whole becomes something else, its own beautiful thing. Did you know that that would happen when you combined your writing together? I don't think I made an assumption that it would or wouldn't. It just seemed natural. And as it played out, I thought it uh, was a good uh, compilation of two good minds. Mm -hmm. Well. But I think you said it well. That the two things each had its own place, but when they're put together, there's a certain synergy that they. Like making they, a child. Mm. Okay. I don't <laughs> know if I'd go that far. Let's not follow that too far here. But uh, yeah, that, that might work. Like the camel looking for water. That, that works. What was the most challenging thing about making this book? Well, the funny thing, well, for example, uh, you picked out some poems you liked, and I was reading one, and I found a change. Well, here's a published book. You know, and I'm. You're making revisions. I'm never content, <laughs> yeah. you know, with even pottery, um, you know, even sculpture that I love to do. Mm -hmm. it, uh, there's always, well, where's the next step, you know? Well, that's pretty nice, but I think I can do better. And I don't know if Jim works that way or not. Well, Dale, you shared some of the poems that you liked of mine, too. Mm -hmm. And as I was began to read through one of the ones that you chose, uh, I, I found a change I wanted to make, too. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, you two are hopeless. Yeah, pretty hopeless, much. Yeah. Obviously poets. <laughs> what's, what, that's, that's always a fear. When you publish, when you actually push the mm -hmm. button and say publish, uh, then it's in, carved into stone, pretty much. It's hard to make changes after that. Yeah. And, uh that, like David said, I think that's one of the hardest things is was getting it to where we both said, that's okay, right. we're done. Mm -hmm. Do it. Now, um, this came out in 2020 mm -hmm. during the pandemic and mm -hmm. every, you know, many things shut down during that period. Was, was that a challenge that um, slowed, slowed you down at all? Or I think there's part of us that are homebodies anyway. And, uh, I don't particularly like great big crowds. Yeah. <laughs> I had a native friend in Alaska, Yupik, and uh, Peter would say quietly, when I'm in big crowds, I always feel conquered. <laughs> mm. Well, hopefully this room with three of us in it is not overwhelming. 
<laughs> no, I'm quite comfortable. Okay. <laughs> David, will you read us one of your poems from Sidekicks? Oh, sure. And it can be the one that you've made your your last change minute on. revision, if you'd like. <laughs> okay. And then people can say they heard it here first. Well, this one is called Collecting Belites, which... As a side note, it's the Bletus edulis, or the king bleat. It's one of my favorite mushrooms. And uh, like writing, I love to collect mushrooms. 5.30 a.m., one hour before sunrise. Hard rain drums, cedar shake roof. I soak in an old clawfoot bathtub, reading fires. The room steamy and fragrant, but Raymond Carver can't hold my attention. Still stuck on that basket of porcini we gathered last night at dusk, stems thicker than a man's wrist, and tall from fighting their way up through faded autumn grasses. The tops were wet and tan and smelled of musk and duff. Flesh as supple as a woman's thigh. Life threads. Work hard. Forage joyfully. Stay ahead of the rain. When forced inside, love passionately. Well, I just, I love that. I love that finish. Um, but... Uh, what is it about living here, David, that makes you want to write? I think I've always wanted to write, even in grade school, or draw or paint. I was a painter, really, and I was studying New York City, and for better or worse, I met this amazing woman named Toshiko Takiesu, and she was one of America's great potters, but... She was also kind of a little Zen master, and I fell for pottery and uh, saw it as an art object. And I'm just that kind of cat, you know. I, I like something Zen that feels good about pottery and something Zen that feels great about words and still have a long ways to grow. I. I really do. I, it's uh, it's always a challenge. You're you are just a creative person, and you don't limit yourself to to one thing. No. And James, would you would you grace us with uh, a poem from Sidekicks, one that you one that you like? Oh, I think this is something that most people can relate to. Uh, it's about Willapa Bay oysters. Move up just a bit. It's about Bulapa Bay oysters, and it's uh, written in a poetic form, which is actually a Shakespearean sonnet form, but it won't necessarily sound like Old English. Uh, this is how it sounds. Where muddy shoreside tide flats ring the bay, lie salt sea gardens, where instead of peas and corn... The seeds of oysters wend their way adrift beneath a fresh willapa breeze. With outstretched arms they seek the firm embrace of rock and shell 
to which they cling as tight as lovers intertwined with and lying face to face, whose silent passions consummate the night. A cycle of four years before the time of harvest bathes them in the sun and air, where hard, sharp shells are rinsed of grime and shucked, their prized ambrosial flesh laid bare. For dilettantes, a luxury most rare. The Chinook thought them ordinary fare. Oh, thank you so much. I love to I love to hear um, a po a, a poem read in the voice of the person that wrote it because it brings something extra to the poem that um, you you don't get just in reading it to yourself. Although I do I do have to say I read a lot of both of your poems aloud to myself as I went through the book and um, got the most pleasure from them when I read them aloud. So mm -hmm. I think that's where poetry really sings, at least to me, that's, um, that's how I can really squeeze every little last drop of pleasure out of it. Well, I think you're right. It's like listening to Dylan Thomas, you know, I mm. mean, there's such a cadence and beauty to it. Yeah. And I, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Jim's, um, uh, sonnets. And so I was delighted to find, um, a nice, uh, supply of them in <laughs> Sidekicks. Yeah. And, uh, i I try to to write sonnets myself, and I'm still uh, still struggling along with that. It's you know, it's those are those are challenging poems to write, but you you have uh, definitely a gift in that area. So, um, how does poetry help you catch and keep an experience? I think it's uh, the hardest of all written form. And I think when you strike it right, when you hit that long ball, it goes deep, very, very deep. And um, there's zenness to it, which I mentioned earlier, but there's also this minimalness where in a few words you have to describe something I remember uh, some drawings by Rembrandt that were just a few lines, and yet he told a whole story. And um, maybe that's what I seek, and I think it's what Jim seeks, is good storytelling. Just finding the essence of something and yep. distilling it down to, yep. to that. Well, um if you're just joining us, I'm Dale Olson with River Writers, and we're talking with Long Beach Peninsula writers James Tweedy and David Campiche about poetry and their book, Sidekicks, Visions of the Pacific Northwest. And uh, I, I'm so tickled that you both read a poem for us. I might ask you to read one more uh, if we have time later. Sure. Did, did, side, did writing sidekicks together, did it deepen your friendship? And, and if so, how did, how did it deepen it? Well, it involved a little money. To, it involved a little money to put the, put the thing together and to get it uh, organized and, and into print. And uh, money is often the thing that divides people. And, uh, but we managed to do handle that pretty well. We've yeah. both chipped in our, our fair share and have yeah. handled it pretty well. And uh, 
that, that was maybe one of the in, more it did prove to be not one of not a big deal and uh it was just sheer, simply the joy of working on this emailing back and forth and and uh, each adding and subtracting and making the changes until we were happy and it's been great do you do you feel closer as friends from having gone through that collaboration together i think friendship sort of spun like salmon you know and uh, uh well maybe that's not true i mean we've all had wins and losses in in that human beings are not easy but yes it has with us i i consider him a very very good friend yeah um and good friends will kind of go to the mat for each other you know right I think it's wonderful that you didn't let uh, a thing like the the cost of producing that book get in the way of the vision of what you wanted to, um, you know, make together. Well, for 42 years at the Shelburne with sometimes 20 employees and sometimes uh, macerations that go on with chefs and shoe chefs and dishwashers and and money you know um it's a hard business and probably worried too much about it but with the poetry it's clean to me and um it's not so much money that i really worry about it much more invested in the novel that'll come out in a few months uh, blackwing but can you um, tell us a little bit about that sure so it's called Black Wing. Mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time with the uh, Heisler people in British Columbia, and in particular with an elder that I had such respect for. And it took a while for him to trust me, and once he did, he began to fill my mind with stories. And those stories are a good part of the book. It takes place in two worlds, one in 1896 and another currently where I outline an a, uh, organization, an ecological organization, and uh, I love the, the finish. Mm-hmm. I don't want to tell too much, but there's a little fantasy, perhaps it's fantasy, about shape, shape changing, and uh, um, that's Blackwing. And it's fun. Oh, it sounds uh, really, really delightful. Uh, sounds like you have um, some magical realism going on there, and as well as history. And um, uh, I, ho- I hope that we don't have to wait too long for this. Do you have a, an idea? Of, is it? I think two, three months. We'll okay. See All right. Yeah. Great. Um, there's a lot more to it than I ever imagined. <laughs> how how lo- can I ask how long it took you to to get it to this point that it's ready to to publish? Really, ten years. Yeah. But I started working with this outfit in Canada called uh, Friesen Press, and you know I thought it was all done, and they said, "What about copyrights?" And I said, "Copyrights? <laughs> what <do> you mean?" <laughs> yeah. So back it came and more cost and and um, turned out 
the beginning of each chapter, I often had a quote, and it might be from someone like William Stafford, the poet, mm-hmm. or his son Kim, or Gary Miranda, whoever I picked. But um, turns out you need to get uh, uh, an okay from those people to use it, and some of them, particularly those dead, there are organizations, and you have to pay for them. And, you know, there just seems to be... One thing after another. A long list. I mean, the things that you just have to check off before yeah. you're ready to go. So ju- just a warning to anyone. That <laughs> well, I know I know. Uh, Bob Pyle's um, novel, uh, Magdalena Mountain, mm-hmm. it took him uh, about 30 years to write that. Yeah. So if, if that's any comfort to you or anybody else out there. Uh, he's, he's certainly a hero of mine. Mine too. And Sky Time Over... Uh, Gray's River. Gray's River to me is just an absolute Walden-style masterpiece. It is a masterpiece, and there's a there's a new edition out um, that has uh, some new material in oh. it. So it's oh. uh, we'll give Bob Robert Michael Pyle a little plug here yeah. for Sky Time and Gray's River. So here's a, here's a question for both of you: um, Why do you think we need poetry? Why do we need music? Why do we need paintings? Why do, why do we need art of, of any kind? Uh, prose can be an art of itself, but when when you when you are constrained to take a piece of stone and create an image from it, something happens to that stone. And when you take words that might be prosaic, but arrange them and form them and shape them and discipline them to a refined form, they can shine and take on a new life that's even greater and deeper than they would have been had they just simply been prose. Uh, and the same with painting uh, and, and, and pottery. There's an elevation of, of the medium into something that transcends itself almost and becomes something new and, and beautiful, like adding spices to your food. It's not simply the food. It, it, mm-hmm. it takes on something beyond itself. And poetry does that. Uh, poetry is to words what, what music is to sound. It, in, in a lot of ways, it is music. Mm-hmm. I think that's why it's so pleasing to hear it read aloud. It's hard for me to go much beyond that. Um, I will say that on my bucket list was seeing the caves at Chauvet and Lasco, oh. which I did this uh, September for the first time. Mm. And um, those paintings on those walls by what we think of as primitive people, I'm not sure they were as primitive as we believe, but... Um, the essence of that, the struggle of that, the great abiding need to tell their story, or perhaps, we don't know entirely, perhaps praise those animals, or um, it seems to me to be spiritual. Well, mm-hmm. that's the beginning of it, and it's the best of human beings today, Yeah, in my opinion. Yeah, I think an, I think the artist's eye views the world um, in in a uh, kind of in a different way, trying to um, 
see the the beauty and the uh what's unique and um special about the world around us and um well that's just my opinion i'm still i'm still an early poet but uh but that's but true. to see the, those drawings in those caves must have been really uh just just awe inspiring it was it was a very deep kind of spiritual experience if, uh, I, if I could just add something, I, I huh? think I'm going to put in a plug for humanity, because animals can do many things, and they have, have and they're often we're also often cons, we're also often compared to just simply being uh, a, a type of mammal, an animal, uh, but human beings are capable of creating things that are just simply beyond the pale when it comes to animals. What animal would create? an ice rink, create ice skates, put them on and, 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 and simply celebrate the beauty of human motion at its extreme, most extreme levels in the beauty of ice skating and have all of that together is, is, is just, and have human beings do that in so many multiple different forms and media. Uh, it, it, it's just astounding the, the gap between human beings and the rest of creation in this area is is uh, is, is is infinite. It's just and and the way words are used and formed and shaped, uh, there's something that's celebrating our humanity when we write a poem. It's like we are claiming something, and it's and it is very spiritual. It, it is transcendent. It's metaphysical. What 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 we are able to do. Uh, with with the material that we have in in this world, and tra and transform it into something far greater than it could have ever been imagined. Well, you're, you've left me in awe now of um, both of your your abilities as as poets. Um, it, it is it is a tribute to our humanity and our imaginations, which are limitless, and. I just hope I just hope listeners um, who are with us uh, this morning try 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 their hand at writing some poetry themselves because uh, it's it's not an elite form it's no. it's a very human thing to do and it connects you to your world I think in in ways that you uh, couldn't imagine. I was very lucky to have William Stafford both as a professor and later as a friend. And uh, he's famous um, for saying, write a poem every day. And a reporter one time took him to task on that, and he said, what if it's not very good? Stafford took a deep breath and looked him in the eye and said, lower your standards. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But what he was saying is, don't wait for the muse. Yeah. If you get up every morning, I don't, but if you get up every morning and write, something's bound to happen. And what happens, David, is the muse starts to speak. Yeah. If, if you, if you, if you, 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 you practice to get, get going, and then you have the freedom for something to come from inside that you didn't even know was there. It's true. 
to reshape the words in ways that you are often surprised at what you put down on paper. Yeah. It's a, a and and I encourage people to do that. Yeah. To just write, 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 write. I ha I hate to bring this to an end it, because I feel like we're just getting started. <laughs> but um, but we have to we have to wrap it up. And James and David, it has been a pleasure. Thank you for spending time with River Riders today. And again, for our listeners, you can find Sidekicks, Visions of the Pacific Northwest by James Tweedy and David Compiche at River Sea Gallery here in Astoria and also at Bold Art Gallery in Long Beach. The Writers Guild is a 501c3 supporting and encouraging writers in Astoria and the Lower Columbia. More information about the Writers Guild can be found online at www.thewritersguild.org. Thanks, Dad, for our theme song. Until next time, keep the words flowing and your pencil sharp. I'm Dale Olson for River Riders.